This morning we talked about the goal of being more like Jesus Christ. We all have those physical goals that we have in life that help us achieve certain things, that motivate us to do certain things. And we emphasized having the spiritual goal of being more like Christ. But as we pointed out in our lesson this morning, as we think about the goal of Christ's likeness, Christ's likeness comes through a process that we refer to as transformation. We have God's Word that exhorts us to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ as we pointed out from Romans chapter 8 verse number 29. We also have Christ's perfect example according to 1 Peter 2 verse number 21 that helps us to become more and more like Christ. We went and looked at several examples of Christ. We looked at His example, first of all, of humility and how Jesus emptied Himself of His equality with the Father, how He humbled Himself and became, became in the likeness of man and how He humbled Himself and was obedient to the Father's will going to the cross. We also looked at Christ's example of forgiveness and how Christ uttered from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If Christ was humble, we should be humble. If Christ was forgiving, we should be forgiving. As we pointed out in Ephesians 4, verse number 32. We then pointed out that Christ was zealous. If Christ was zealous, and we see that zeal demonstrated in John chapter 2 as He drove out the money changers, we too should be zealous if we follow His perfect example. We pointed out that we need to be zealous when it comes to doing the Lord's work. The Lord's work is the greatest work that we can be doing. And we need to approach that work with the right spirit, with the spirit of Christ. We need to approach God's word, work, excuse me, with some enthusiasm. We need to be excited about doing the Lord's work. Paul commends the brethren at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 for their labor, but he describes it like this a labor of love. Not just labor. Not just work, but a labor of love. That's the example that Christ set for us. And then we talked about Christ's prayer life. Christ was an example to each of us when it comes to prayer. While on earth, Jesus spent many hours in prayer, rising up early in the morning, a great while before the day to pray to His heavenly Father. In Luke chapter 6, He prayed all night before He chose His apostles. We can also look at His prayer in, Mount, in Gethsemane uh, as, he, as He prayed in agony to the Father, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. But we see that Jesus prayed according to the Father's will. He has given us an example. And if we follow His example, we too will have a prayer life. In 1 Peter 3, verse 12, we learn that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And 
His ears are open unto our prayers. What a great blessing we have in Christ Jesus to be able to approach our Heavenly Father in prayer to cast our care upon Him because He cares so much for us. We didn't notice Christ's example of compassion and how He would look upon the people with compassion. How He demonstrated that compassion in John 11 verse number 35 when Lazarus died. We see that Jesus wept. Demonstrating, showing us His compassion. Jesus was compassionate. We should be compassionate as we strive to be more and more like Jesus Christ. We have four or five more examples that we want to emphasize tonight in our lesson. Some of the points, uh, as we look at some of the points, we'll mention a few passages from the book of Proverbs. We've been spending some time on Sunday nights in the book of Proverbs because we're really encouraging one another to read the book of Proverbs, to read the book of Psalms, going through a series of lessons Sunday morning from the book of Psalms, looking at passages Sunday night from Proverbs. And so we'll finish these points tonight looking at the different ways Christ gives us a perfect example. Notice point number six if you're taking notes. Christ was non-retaliatory. He didn't... Uh, He did not retaliate. And I want you to notice a couple of passages with me. First... Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. This is, uh, this is when Jesus was led to Caiaphas. He is brought uh, before different individuals. And I want to pick up in verse number 59. And we're just going to note a couple of passages. And then I want to consider something Peter says about Christ as it relates to the point that we're making concerning Christ's example Christ was non-retaliatory. Look at Matthew 26, beginning at verse number 59. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put Him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses. And said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and able to, uh, I, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. The high priest arose and said unto himself, Answerest thou nothing? What is it with these witnesses against thee? But look at verse 63. But Jesus held his peace. Here are people who are bringing all of these false accusations against our Lord and it says He held His peace. Now turn over, if you would, to the book of 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 2. We mentioned 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21 concerning Christ's perfect example. We're really building upon that statement that Peter makes in verse number 21. Christ left us a perfect example. We've noticed His example in these different areas. We're noticing His example in this challenging area. And look at what Peter says concerning Christ, verse number 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. Verse 23, who, when He was reviled, 
revile not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And as you look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 19, when we suffer for righteousness' sake, just like our Lord, we too are to commit our souls to the faithful Creator in well-doing. Never does the Bible say that we have the right to get even. But we realize that that is a challenge for us because we can think along the lines of the flesh. And when we think along the lines of the flesh, having a worldly spirit, then we want to get even. Uh, We want to take vengeance. Notice, if you would, the book of Romans. And we mentioned Romans chapter 12 this morning in our lesson as we considered the faithful fruits of love concerning this idea of compassion. Same chapter, same context. Begin with me in verse number 17. This is what love looks like. As I said, as we think about this particular point, this is really challenging. When, when people do things or say things, a lot of times we, we want to lash back or, or we may want to get even. But listen to what God's Word says in verse number 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I love what God says here in verse number 18. If it be possible. The point is, is you do everything that, that you can do to be at peace. Never to retaliate. But remember, now that we're followers of Christ, as we follow His example, we are to be peacemakers, not peace breakers. There's a difference. We are to be peacemakers. Verse number 18, God says, You do your part, if it be possible. It takes two people to make peace. But as Christians, we're going to do our part. We're not going to retaliate. We're not going to get even. We're going to try to find peace and make peace with those individuals. Even with our enemies. We are to pray for our enemies. We are to feed our enemies. Continue to read verse number 19. Dearly beloved. Notice that that term of endearment. Notice how how Paul is is getting their attention. Dearly beloved, listen to me very carefully. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. God is the one that will take care of those who persecute us. Verse 20, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, listen to this, thou shalt heat coals of fire on his head. Have you ever thought about that, that last statement? For in so doing, thou shalt heat coals of, of fire on his head. 
I think some read that there in verse number 20 and think, wow, they're really going to burn in hell. When people take advantage of us, God is going to retaliate. He is going to set the record straight. And we might say He is going to turn up the heat on those individuals that took advantage of us. But look at it very carefully. That's not what Paul is saying. I like to refer to this as as blacksmith terminology. You think about a blacksmith and, and how he'll have that, 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 that heap of coals. And, and he'll take that, that piece of, of metal and, and he'll stick it in that heap of coals. And as that metal is, is, is under or in that, in that heat, in those coals, that metal begins to soften. In fact, you leave that metal in there, there long enough and pull it out, it's red hot, and, and then you can just barely tap it. And you can begin to shape it. You can begin to work it. You put it back in the coals. You take it out. Because that metal is soft, it, uh, it, it starts to conforming into the image that you're trying to design. Spiritually speaking, when we treat people the way that God wants us to, we don't retaliate. We don't get even. Even though they have taken advantage of us like they did our Lord, we don't retaliate. We strive to, to be at peace. Now sometimes we want to do the opposite. I understand that. Sometimes the flesh, the old man wants to kick in. But remember, we're to put on the new man. We're talking about having the Spirit of Christ. We're talking about following His example. And when we follow His example, we don't retaliate. Paul says we can soften people. That's the idea. We can soften people. We can bring them to the point that they too may want to be more like Christ. They see that we don't retaliate, that we don't try to get even. Even though they've been unkind to us, we are kind to them. We feed them. We pray for them. And that has a way of softening their hearts. I believe that is a better interpretation of what Paul is saying. For in so doing, thou shalt heat coals of fire on his head. You know, when I think about this point, Christ was non-retaliatory. We should be non-retaliatory. It reminds me that God's ways are much higher and much better than our ways. It reminds me that God's Word challenges us to the very core because this is a challenging thing. Now consider a couple of passages from the book of Proverbs. You're going to notice that that Solomon has something to say about this particular subject that we are challenged with in Proverbs chapter 19. In Proverbs chapter 19, listen to verse number 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Again, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger. He doesn't respond to that anger. He doesn't get even. 
Because the wrath of man cannot work the righteousness of God. If you have a retaliatory spirit, you don't have the Spirit of Christ. And if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you cannot work the righteousness of God. Consider another passage in Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. Verse number 17. Proverbs chapter 24. Notice with me verse number 17. Solomon says, Rejoice not when thy enemy falleth, and let not thy heart be glad when he stumbleth. You write in your Bible, you may write down Matthew 5, 43-48. As we said, God wants us to love our enemies. God wants us to seek their spiritual well-being. And that, my friends, is not easy. But we're talking about following the example of Christ. Remember our high calling in Christ Jesus? Oh, this is part of that high calling. Being more like Jesus Christ. Not allowing ourselves to be guided by our feelings, but being guided by our emotions, but being guided by Jesus Christ and His perfect example. Notice this next point. Point number seven. As we think about Christ's perfect example, we have an example of His submission. We see this in Luke chapter 22 verse number 42 as he prayed in the garden father not my will but thou will be done jesus as we emphasized already humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross philippians 2 8 through 10 though he were a son yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered And being made perfect, He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Jesus Christ has given us a perfect example in obedience. And if we love God, John 14, verse number 15, we're going to keep God's commandments. As I said this morning, anytime we see that word love, notice the activity associated with the love of God. We are to put that love into action. How do we do that? By being submissive to God just like Jesus. In 1 John 5 verse 3, the Apostle John would say, this is the love of God that you keep His commandments. And God's commandments are not grievous. They're not burdensome. In fact, as we think about God's vengeance, we see that God will take vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9. But let me give you a couple of passages from the book of Proverbs that emphasize obedience. And of course, as we strive to be obedient to God, we are demonstrating wisdom. And that's what the book of Proverbs is encouraging us to follow. The divine wisdom that is from above. And if we're wise, 
We're going to keep God's commandments. We're going to be God's obedient children. Read with me Proverbs chapter 7 verse number 2. Listen to what Solomon is encouraging here in Proverbs chapter 7. And we'll read verses 1 and 2. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live. And my law as the apple of my uh, uh, as the law as the apple of thine eye. Now notice with me Proverbs chapter nineteen. Proverbs chapter nineteen, another great passage on obedience. Proverbs chapter nineteen, verse number sixteen, which emphasizes the importance of obedience. Do we want to be saved? Do we want to go to heaven? Do we want to experience eternal life? Then obedience is a must. Read with me Proverbs 19, verse number 16. He that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul. But he that despiseth his ways shall die, spiritually speaking. But notice that again. He that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul. We might put it like this. He that keepeth the commandment saveth his own soul. In James 1 verse number 21, we are to receive with meekness that engrafted word which is able to save your soul. The only way that God's word can save your soul is by being obedient to the word of God. But as we strive to be God's obedient children, we're following the example of Christ. And as we follow the example of Christ, we become more and more like Christ. But we also understand that there are times where we will be disobedient. And when we are disobedient to God, we need to confess those faults. We need to confess those sins. Again, God's obedient children. We're talking about an attitude, a lifestyle that we find throughout the Scriptures. Let's strive to follow Christ's example in obedience. Let's be God's obedient children. Notice our next point, point number eight. Christ has given us an example in giving. Christ was giving. Notice with me Matthew chapter 20. You're going to like this passage because this particular passage really fits the next two points that we're making. Notice with me Matthew chapter 20 and consider what is, what is said in this verse about Jesus. Matthew 20 verse number 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus was our perfect example in giving. He gave His life for us so that we might live through Him. Now, if this is the way Christ lived, then that's the way we need to live. Giving is, is really a, 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 a Christ-like thing. Instead of being selfish, we must learn to be giving. Paul would say in Acts 20 verse number 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let me give you several passages though from the book 
of Proverbs that encourages us to be this kind of individual. Christ-like individual. Read with me Proverbs chapter 19. There are so many passages in the book of Proverbs that will encourage us in different ways. Whatever subject it is, I believe you can probably find passages from the wisdom literature that will encourage you to obey the command. Notice with me Proverbs chapter 19, verse number 17. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he giveth will he pay him again. As we think about the poor, God wants us to help the poor. Under the Old Testament, when the people would would, would plant a crop, they wouldn't harvest the corners. Uh, They would leave that for the poor. That would take faith on the people's part because naturally they would feel like they needed that portion of the crop. But God says, you leave it, you give it to the poor, and God will provide for His people. In like manner, we learn here from this great passage in Proverbs chapter 19, verse number 17, that when we have pity upon the poor, we're not talking about those who perhaps are sitting there with the sign on the side of the road asking for money because they're too lazy to work. They have to be balanced in these areas. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. Paul deals with that also in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. But there are people, sincere people, who are in dire need. They need our help. They may need our help financially. And when we give to help the poor... God is saying, I will pay you back. This is how Christ lived. We see that that Christ gave. He gave His own life. He demonstrated that kind of spirit that we need to have. Look at this passage in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 21. Notice with me verse number 26. Proverbs 21 verse number 26. He coveteth greedily all day long. But listen to this. But the righteous giveth and spareth not. Who are the righteous? Those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who follow Christ's example. And those who follow Christ's example are going to be cheerful Givers, Because that's the kind of person that God loves. God loves a cheerful giver. But when we demonstrate this type of giving, we're demonstrating Christ's likeness. Let me give you one more passage from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. I love what Solomon says here in Proverbs chapter 3 because it's challenging. It causes you to think. Proverbs 3 verse number 27. Solomon says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thy hand to do it. Solomon is is describing one who has the ability, one who has been blessed to help others. God is the one that is doing the blessing. And God is now saying to those who have been blessed, physically speaking, don't hold back. Say not, verse 28, 
say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, listen to it, when thou hast it by thee. A New Testament passage that goes right along with Proverbs 3, verse 27 and 28 is Galatians 6, verse number 10. As you therefore have opportunity, do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. And when we do that, when we live like this, when we help others, when we support good works that are being done in the kingdom of God, we are demonstrating Christ-likeness. That is the transformation that we talked about. Christ-likeness comes through transformation. We study God's Word. We learn God's Word. We're focusing on Christ's example. These are things that Christ did. If these are things that Christ did, these are things that we should do as we go through this life. We should be striving to help others. And God will see what we're doing. God will reward us. God will bless us. And then finally tonight, the last point that we want to consider about our Lord and His perfect example is this. Christ was serving. We've noticed that already from Matthew chapter 20, verse number 28. Christ served others. If Christ served others, we need to learn to serve others. And we need to do what we can. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Notice with me what Paul says here in verse number 13. And as you're turning over to Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13, understand that the brethren here at Galatia were being challenged in this area. And the Apostle Paul reminds them concerning the freedom, the liberty that they have in Christ Jesus. And he begins in Galatians 5, verse number 13, For brethren, you have been called under liberty, freedom. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh to do whatever you want to do. But by love, here it is, but by love serve one another. Do you realize that service is a mark of true greatness in the kingdom of God? Or we could say service is a mark of Christ-likeness in the kingdom of God. You want to be more like Christ? You serve. You serve others. But in order to serve, you have to take yourself out of the picture. And that's exactly what Jesus calls upon us to do. In Luke 9 verse 23, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Follow me. Replace self with Christ. How do I know I'm living a Christ-like life? You'll serve others. You'll be submissive to the Father. You're going to give to others as God has given to you. This isn't from the book of Proverbs, but Solomon makes this point in the book of Ecclesiastes that really fits the point. It really fits several of the points that we've made tonight. In Ecclesiastes 9, verse number 10, For whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. You know, when we think about the Lord's work, when we think about the kingdom of God, when we think about how Christ lived His life, 
There is so much to do. There are so many different opportunities out there. Opportunities to serve one another. Opportunities to serve others. Opportunities to help. The question is, what are we doing in the kingdom of God? Are we striving to be like Christ? Remember, that should be the goal for each of us. To be more and more like Christ, which comes through transformation as we study God's Word and as we consider how Jesus Christ lived His life. May God help us to become more and more like our Lord. Tonight, if we can help you do that, we ask that you come right now as we stand and as we sing.